the NBA schedule is trickling out. And if it tells us anything so far, it's that the Phoenix Suns might be the biggest story in the NBA. I'll tell you why on today's episode of Locked On Suns. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Monday. We are here in the second week of August, third, sort of third, and we are making our way towards Suns training camp. Hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. We're free and available everywhere. Just search Locked On Suns. Get this show in your feed every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday throughout August. Back to daily in September. Get locked on to your favorite team, the Phoenix Suns. Become an everydayer with this community of nearly 6,000 on YouTube and a bunch more on the audio side as well. We're going to do some things that I missed. I have not recorded since Wednesday. So uh, last week was out of town in Seattle. Good to be back. Uh, heat, you know, not so good, but nice to uh, catch up on some Suns news. And we'll do that today. We have some schedule stuff. We have later on some Ring of Honor stuff, and we'll have a, a fun segment to close the show. But let's do the schedule first. Let's do the the lesson that the schedule can teach us. Because for anyone who missed it, the Suns are in San Francisco at the Warriors on opening night, and then hosting the Mavericks on Christmas Day. Um, and those are both big games, fun games, although shout out to uh, Bright Side of the Sun, um, who wrote an article about ending the fake Suns-Mavs rivalry, which I don't think is fake, but agreed, not the game that I care about. I, I don't. I, I would rather them, again, play the Nuggets like they did this past year on Christmas. I would like to see the Suns even play a team like the Lakers. I get it. The number one overall pick in 2018 stuff is a storyline still. Obviously, the 2022 playoffs, Kyrie versus KD. There, there are plenty of storylines, even if it's not my favorite matchup, and it's also not my favorite style of play. I don't, I, I've said a bunch of times on the show I don't love watching the Mavs play, but regardless, we don't know exactly what the other matchups are going to be. We don't know fully the whole schedule yet. That should be coming maybe even Monday when you're listening to this, but... What this tells me, what the, the Suns have played Christmas the past, I would I, I want to say three seasons. Yeah, they uh, hosted the Warriors in 2021. They were in Denver in 2022. And then this year they will be hosting the Mavs. That's a big deal. Uh, and obviously there's some time zone stuff that goes into that. But we know the Warriors, Lakers... In the West, the Knicks and the Celtics in the East. Maybe there's some other teams you would throw in there. But we know which teams will sort of always sell. There's a reason the Knicks play on you know that opening first morning game on Christmas every year, even when they're bad. You know, the Warriors with Steph are a unique, unparalleled draw in NBA history. And then Lakers-Celtics are, are always going to be their thing. We know Miami might get Damian Lillard. That will be big. And I think people will have eyes on Philadelphia with 
the Harden and Embiid intrigue this year from a trade standpoint, from a will it, won't it work standpoint, and all of the rest. But the Suns getting scheduled in these big prime time, big moment, premier spot on the calendar NBA games tells me, reinforces to me, underlines and highlights to me that I think that the Suns might be the biggest story in the NBA this season. Now, maybe you should just say the West, because again, to return to the team I just listed off there, the Heat coming off of the Lillard trade and the whole drama and saga this entire offseason, that is likely to be a closely watched storyline in the league. But to me, with an owner in Matt Ishbia, who's you know not afraid of the spotlight, a big market, a super team that is sort of heresy under this new CBA. This was not supposed to happen. This was not supposed to be the type of team that you were able to build. The recent history of this team that obviously, you know, ca- even casual NBA fans are familiar with now, dating all the way back to the bubble with the 8-0 run and the Chris Paul trade and the finals and the loss to Dallas and 64 wins and then, you know, the KD trade. Team regular everyday NBA fans after three plus years of this, they know this team. They will matter on a day in day out basis in the NBA. They will be one of, if not the biggest story in the league. That is pretty clear when you lay it out that way, in my opinion, but also reinforced again by the schedule. I would not be surprised if the Suns push for the most primetime games in the league this year. The most national TV games, I should say. The Warriors tend to have an insight. Warriors and Lakers, just because they're in Pacific time and the Suns are obviously in Mountain for a lot of the season. We know those 8 o'clock and 8.30 tips can be difficult. If you've ever gone to one, you you understand. Going to bed, you know, 11.30 at the earliest, coming home from one of those is, is tough. But the logistical boring stuff aside... The Suns should push for that. They will be on NBA Today on ESPN every day. They will be a social media darling. And that matters just because I've been kind of ringing that bell since the Kevin Durant trade that, like, Suns fans need to be prepared for, you know, this team's business being a factor, be a mattering to everybody who cares about basketball. That's unique. And, and, and it's just a trend worth like shouting out and pointing out and, and kind of preparing ourselves for, but it's also interesting and important because it's never really happened in Suns history, right? The Barkley trade obviously was big, but that team was mostly homegrown, right? KJ spends half a season in Cleveland and, and comes here. Marley, his whole career here. And, you know, the rest of the players on that team, even, you know, Chambers had been here for a while, you know, national name, but not the most high-profile player. And and the rest of the guys, you know, varying degrees of of name, um, people knowing who they are, right? But that's not really the same. And then seven seconds or less, which we'll get to with the Ring of Honor news in a moment, that team was never nearly as famous as these sons either. They had a style that was really exciting, but none of the players were nearly as famous as Kevin Durant or even Devin Booker, despite Steve Nash winning two MVPs. So it's uncharted territory 
you know, and it's not just because of the schedule, but the schedule shines a light on it. The Miami Heat, even, even after the Damian Lillard trade, will be somewhat of a known commodity, right? They've been in the finals two of the past three years, two of the past four years, I should say. Um, and we know Jimmy Butler, we know Bam Adebayo, we know Eric Spolstra, et cetera. But the Lillard thing could change it. I think the Suns will be there. I think the Warriors having Chris Paul, sure, that's an interesting story. The Lakers added some role players. They're always going to be in the spotlight. The Knicks, the Celtics, okay. Boston has some interesting questions, but is Chris Apps Porzingis turning heads the same way that some of this other stuff will? No. And the Clippers, okay, yeah, I guess if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard get uh, frustrated and ask for a trade or, or there's rumors about them hitting free agency next summer, yeah, that'll matter, but that's a negative. That, you know, that only can take you so far, even though the NBA loves drama. This will be from a basketball standpoint, from a, you know, fit and an evolution and a progress standpoint, watching this team, consuming the games, thinking about their basketball identity. That will be a daily story in the league, starting on opening night when they're in Golden State for Kevin Durant's first appearance in San Francisco since the trade or since he left in 2019 via free agency. It'll be the, the case when they host the Mavs on Christmas Day, and it'll be the, the case by next playoffs when they almost assuredly make it and face another test on their way to ideally the first championship in franchise history. Speaking of franchise history, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire going into the ring of honor. I'll break down why that is a perfect decision as well as who should go in next after a word from FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. All right, let me explain it to you because this is actually an awesome promotion. This is not this is not your typical giveaway. You just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you get bonus bets for every victory. So here's what that means. You say, I think the let's pick a team kind of in that in that middle zone. Um, not the favorites, not the underdog, not a deep underdog. Let's say the Baltimore Ravens. They are in a, I wouldn't say a weak conference, but they have the Browns who are a question mark. They have the Steelers who are uh, uh, probably not going to be all that great in their division. So they can, they're, they're a consistently good regular season team, but they'll probably have not amazing odds to win the Super Bowl. That is exactly the sweet spot because you pile up the bonus bets when they win in the regular season. You keep your shot at winning the big bet on the actual championship by the end of the season. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook and take advantage of this offer. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're keeping it rolling. Let's talk Ring of Honor. The Suns announced last week, late last week, that Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire both would be going to into the Ring of Honor. They will also be unveiling a new, remodeled, reimagined Ring of Honor, which is much appreciated for anybody who uh, visited or even just saw on TV. The digital board replaced the actual permanent display during the renovation, so something more permanent is nice. There was there was a mock-up and some sort of plan in place that apparently Robert Sarver was going to uh, unveil back when he was still owner of this team, so maybe they'll borrow from that. Maybe it'll be fully new. That was supposed to be some sort of display in the main uh, kind of lobby area when you first enter the arena. I think it would be very cool to add something there. I also think you should 
have a permanent installation. Uh, I know Greg Esposito Espo on the PHNX show is talking about having jerseys in the rafters. That feels like a no-brainer aside from just, you know, the Mercury Championships and everything else. I would imagine there will be a retirement of both Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner's jerseys in the not-too-distant future, so we might as well prepare there as well. But let's get to Marion and Stoudemire because that's that's the biggest story here. Uh, Sean Marion left the Suns 15 years ago, uh, more than 15 and a half years ago at this point, and Amari Stoudemire left over 13 years ago. This is long overdue. Both players have been retired for uh, five, five-ish years, and it's time. This is the least that can be done. Sean Marion spent nine seasons as a son, went to the All-Star game four times during that stretch, playoffs seven times. He's second in total minutes played as a son. He obviously was an NBA champion in Dallas later on in his career. He's a teammate with the current president of basketball operations in two separate organizations, and he's still a very well-respected, well-connected guy in the league. He's the vice chairman of the Retired Players Association. I'm not going to sit here and do the kind of, you know, like politics behind the closed doors stuff that doesn't matter to you guys, but it's just this, it's the right thing to do, but it's also just a smart thing to do, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy who is still very active and, and prevalent and, and around. Do right by him, you know? Amari Stoudemire, eight seasons as a son. Playoffs seven times. Five All-Star games in his eight years. He is the single-season leader in PER and win shares, as well as free throws. His 2004-2005 season is third in single-season total points among Suns players behind two separate Tom Chambers seasons. So really, he's second on the list if you're just going by player. Stoudemire did not necessarily have the longevity. He missed uh, one full season, basically, with injury in 05-06 and had various points where he missed time. He left after, again, just eight seasons. He was a little raw early on. But when you just look at the, the greatest individual seasons of all time in Suns history, Stoudemire has two or three of them. And he was around for the greatest stretch of basketball in this franchise's history. They also did wrong by him. I mean, you could say they did wrong by Marion by trading him in the first place. I'm not fully on on that side of things just because the Shaq trade was a mistake in hindsight. It was an over, it was an unnecessary overcorrection of just shaking things up because they had lost. But I'm not going to say that it was a dumb trade. You know, Shaq made an all-star team. He played well here. It was the wrong move in hindsight, but I don't qualify that necessarily as disrespect. What the Suns said with Sotomayor, uh, yes, uh, they kind of lowballed him with the money and, and let him leave in 2010. Again, I can see the, the value in that. He basically only had one more good season in, in him because of the knees at that point. So I don't think of that. What I do to get to my uh, actual time when I do think somebody was wronged, uh, not bringing him back at the end of his career when he went to Miami instead uh, was just just a bummer. Uh, there was no reason for it. The Suns were tanking. They were bad. There was no real point in not bringing him back. I think there was a little bit of difference in opinion about the contract and, and whatnot, but it's just, it, it sucks that that would be the thing to kind of sour things. And lead to uh, a little bit of, of bad taste in everybody's mouth. And that's what led us to here, where both guys are, are not 
in the Ring of Honor yet and, and don't seem to like Robert Sarver and, and whatever. But we're now to a point. They will both be enshrined this year. Apparently, Matt Ishbia called them both personally to let them know, and they are going to go all out with it. I mean, you know, they did some of the 90s stuff this past year with honoring those guys. I thought they did a pretty good job, and that was without Ishbia and his team even really fully getting to, to be involved in that. I'm not even sure if they were. Uh, to be honest. Um, well, some of it happened before Ishbia even took over. I think there was a couple after Ishbia had taken over. But regardless, this this is the first big moment uh, from a community and history and fan standpoint to really make his mark. And I'm sure that they will do it. I'm sure that the team will go all out. I'm sure that they will invite people like Nash to uh, the ceremony, maybe even Al McCoy, Charles Barkley, etc., to make this moment special. Do right by these guys and and just bring them back into the fold in a way that they deserve. Another person I think they should invite, uh, and another person I think should have his own moment in the sun, pun very much intended, even if it's not this season, is Mike D'Antoni. Now, I tweeted a little bit as a joke on, uh, uh, maybe it wasn't a joke, maybe I just got ahead of myself, uh, that Leandro Barbosa should be next. I don't fully think that. We'll talk about a uh, past role player that would be awesome on this current version of the Suns, to close out the show, uh, to tease that for a moment, but uh, Barbosa is not my answer there. He's also probably not Ring of Honor caliber, even though I thought, you know, the sixth man of the year and being around for a lot of these great seasons was noteworthy. Uh, it's probably should not be Barbosa. When you look back at the 93 team, I believe there are three guys uh, from that team in the Ring of Honor, uh, if not more. I th actually, I think it might be five um, now that I'm thinking. I, I think I got the number wrong. I believe it's Barkley, Westy, um, KJ, Marley, and Chambers are all in the Ring of Honor. So that's that's not just the one season. A lot of those guys played a lot longer in Phoenix beyond that, but that stretch of basketball is represented by five people. So we already have Marion in the Ring of or I'm sorry, we already have Nash in the Ring of Honor here. We will have... Stoudemire and Marion before long here in Phoenix, but that's only three guys for a stretch that, in my opinion, was even better than the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s stretch. So you could make the case Barbosa would be the next most deserving guy. Maybe Raja Bell is your answer, but I'm beating around the bush here. Mike D'Antoni is, is the obvious next answer to get us to four seven seconds or less era representatives in the Suns Ring of Honor. He was amazing when he did Nash, uh, a speech at Nash's induction, and he deserves to be in himself. Five seasons in Phoenix, four and a half as a head coach. They were first, the team was first or second in offense each of his four full seasons as head coach. They made the playoffs each of those years, and he's still third all-time in games coach for this franchise. Ahead of Monty, ahead of Paul Westfall, who is in this Ring of Honor already, of course, played here too, but nevertheless... Mike D'Antoni has coached more games for the team than Westfall, as well as Alvin Gentry. And the only two coaches ahead of him, John McLeod and uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons, are already in the ring of honor. Mike D'Antoni changed this franchise. He changed the NBA. He changed the game of basketball. He oversaw the most significant, prolific, important stretch that this franchise has ever seen. He also just did it in a way that's just really impressive. He thought outside the box. He he pushed the boundaries of what was possible, and he did it kind of as a relatively anonymous first-time head coach who got the job half uh, twenty games into his first season as an uh, second season as an assistant, I believe. 
and and turn this whole thing around and and could have easily won a championship if obviously balls bounced a little bit different and, and referees made some other decisions and injuries went a different way. This was a championship caliber team for his entire four full seasons as head coach. As we continue to look backwards, we're going to play a little game. The Sun subreddit has been having fun with this. John Voida, the head honcho over at Bright Side of the Sun, had a little bit of fun with this in a different way. Which past Suns role player would you most like to plug in to the current Phoenix Suns super team that is going to compete for a championship in 2024? We'll talk about that after one more break. We're closing out the show. Past role player, current Sun. All right, so I believe John Voida at Bright Side of the Sun did it as just Stoudemire, Marion, or Nash, which of those three, which is a fun game, but a little different because this is already a super team. So I think the more fun version, which has been going around on the Suns subreddit, is related to a role player from a past version of the Suns that you would want to plug in here. Now, of course, when you get in, into a game like that, you immediately get into the semantics of the rules. What's a role player? Is it anybody who's ever played for the Suns for even a, a season, or does it have to be like some sort of beloved guy? Are you talking about somebody who actually fits with what the Suns are doing, or are you replacing one of the current players? Like I saw a lot of people in the subreddit, unfortunately, picking centers who they would like to replace the Suns' current center. I'm not going to do that, but I saw some people doing that. You know, some Marcin Gortat answers uh, were out there, which... Personally, seems pretty dumb to me. I don't know how you're going to play any defense if you have these four, uh, these three star, star perimeter scorers in Beal, Durant, and Booker, and Marcin Gortat as your uh, anchor in, inside. Uh, not not my, uh, I guess he played with Beal, but not my choice. So those are some of the questions that you immediately get into. But I, I'll just say off the top, a role player is somebody who was, you know, never an all-star, never even close to an all-star, didn't really score a lot, is an important part of it to me. So a lot of people picked, I saw some people pick Marion. <laughs> Sean Marion's not a role player. He made four all-star teams. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, uh, to me, not a role player. Second in defensive player of the year, averaged 20 points per game last season, was the third best player on a finals team, basically, or you know, close to it. Not, not going to cut it for me as, as far as saying somebody is a role player. So you're talking about a fourth or fifth starter. You're talking about a bench player. You're talking about somebody who really was just out there to do a specific specialist set of things. And so the name that came to my mind first, because what you want on this Suns team, right, is a wing. You probably, you want a 3 and D player, basically, right? And there's a few versions of that. But uh, the first two guys that came to mind that I quickly weeded out, uh, Dan Marley, who I also don't think you can fully call a role player. Um, I know that he was probably you would say the third best player on the on the finals team so that in and of itself but you know you're talking about the he's, he was a three-time all-star scored you know 16 17 a game for a four-year stretch I just that to me with the defense is that's a pretty high level player I, I don't think that's a role player so I I, I went away from Marley although I, I think he'd be awesome on this team I also thought of Gerald Green anybody who's been a longtime uh subscriber listener to this show knows that I'm a huge Gerald Green fan. That is probably my single favorite uh, blast from the past Suns role player of all time. Yes, probably because, you know, I was alive for that one, uh, whereas some of these names 
I was either not alive or, or not uh, a cognizant basketball watcher. But uh, Gerald Green doesn't really have a great place on this team. You know, uh, he'd probably be the best bench scorer behind Eric Gordon. But, well, they have Eric Gordon. They don't really need that. And, uh, again, does he really play with the starters much at all? Probably not. So I have his name in all caps on my note sheet. I love him, but he cannot uh, be the choice. So that gets us to four names, and I'll list them off here. P.J. Tucker, Wesley Person, Jared Dudley, Rajah Bell. Wesley Person is a fun one. You know, one of those guys who was ahead of his time, taking a lot of threes and had the size. I think he was like 6'6", or that's what he's listed as. Um, defensively, I'm not going to pretend like I was scouting Wesley Person back in the day, but, uh, you know, statistically, there are stats to try to do that. He seemed like he's a little bit of a negative, you know, more of a more of a shooter, a little, a little heavier on the three, lighter on the defense side of that. So I'm not going to, I didn't watch him, so he wouldn't be my pick just because I'm going to pick somebody that I rooted for, you know, Um, or in the case of Marley, somebody that I'm familiar with and have gone back and watched. So we're down to Raja, Dudley, and Tucker. Um, I'm going to, and this is like uh, the other question I didn't mention at the top that you get into immediately is like, are you talking about their peak as a player, their peak as a son, one specific season? I'm not going to go so deep to say a season. That's kind of ridiculous. But uh, P.J. Tucker, to me, he was somewhat of a three, of a, of a small forward type guy when he played here a decade ago. But in the modern NBA, and obviously he's still in the modern NBA, he's a four, if not a five. That's not really what this Suns team needs. They have guys who can defend up a position. in uh, Booker and Durant, obviously Aiton can do his thing. Eric Gordon is like that. So Tucker, not quite what they need. They need an athletic perimeter wing defender. So I'm going to root out Jared Dudley as well. Um, The era that he played in, again, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, in terms of when he was uh, at his best, he could play the three. But again, by the end of his career, he was was barely a four. You know, he was keeping up at, at the tail end with some of the, you know, more traditional power forwards. But, you you know, put him on... Jason Tatum, it's going to get ugly. So that leaves us with Raja Bell. I just think you put Raja Bell on, on this team at 6'5", 6'6", with you know good three-point accuracy, took about six a game in the mid-2000s, made 40-plus percent of them, wasn't afraid to take twos and, and get inside and, and do his thing, scored 15 points a game in back-to-back seasons for this team. Stepped up, had big big scoring nights in the playoffs, played a whole bunch of different places, journeyman, glue guy, all that stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, wasn't the biggest steal guy, wasn't the biggest block guy, but really a lot of it outside of the shooting to me goes back to, and, and the confidence and toughness and all that, but it goes back to the conversation that Aaron Edwards and I had to close out last week on the show, which is this team needs a, a heart and soul, a grit, a guy to mix it up with the opposing team to kind of, you know, take the ejection, take the technical fouls, be an even better version of what Jay Crowder was for this team the year they went to the finals, you know. This team needs that. And Bell would provide that too, but he could also just start at the three uh, for them, you know, play guard, you know, maybe he's given up some height on certain guys, but he had a good wingspan and, you know, was a mobile athletic player and, and played bigger than he was, I would say. He's probably more of a guard defender than a big uh, kind of forward defender. But again, I just trust it. And, you know, 
was around James Jones at times, you know, uh, later on. It, I don't know the timeline of how that works as far as the time machine. You know, he was in the front office in Cleveland, I believe, when James Jones was a player there, if I'm remembering right. They're both Miami, kind of South Florida <coughs> South Florida guys. Does that count in the, in the time machine? I don't know. But regardless of how you want to spin it, that's my choice. Rajah Bell, give me him as the fifth starter on the 2023-2024 Phoenix Suns. Perfect 3 and D glue guy to slide right in there. That's a title team. I mean, it's already a title team, but imagine how much better you'd feel if that guy was there. All right, fun exercise to close things out. We'll have Brandon Duenas on Wednesday, uh, scheduling conflict with my flight and his fantasy football draft, so we will have that. On Wednesday, as we march through the week, Aaron Edwards will be here to close out the show, uh, close out the week on the show. We'll have the schedule this week, so you can definitely look forward to some talk on that, maybe picking up with the biggest story in the league stuff as we see more and more of the national TV schedule and strength of schedule and all of that good stuff. The win, the, the win totals in Vegas will change. Maybe we can do some betting stuff. Now we're just doing a brainstorm session on air, so I will wrap it there. Have a good Tuesday, Monday. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday.